The Mainstream Podcast is brought to you by you. If you want to know how to support the podcast, please go to Anchor. Links will be in the show notes. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of the Mainstream Podcast. It's me, your host, Jeff B. Make sure you subscribe on the Anchor app or on anchor.fm. You can also get this podcast anywhere you normally listen to your podcast. And this is episode four and episode five. We're going to split it into two. In episode one, we're going to take a look at... um, Packs a wrap up. I've been gone for a couple of days in in San Antonio. You know, li- living the, the South Texas life for a little while, hanging out. Um, and I'm going to give you some, you know, some things I saw at Packs. Um, things that went down. A little bit of story time. Some of the the games. This was a smaller Packs. Packs is normally a very small independent or indie game type uh, situation. Not a lot of big names there. But you you get to meet a lot of good people. And it's a very friendly, nice kind of, you know, atmosphere. Very, very different than some of these bigger um, conferences and bigger um, things you go to. So we're going to get into that. Um, And this episode, like I said, is going to be mostly part one of PAX. And um, we'll talk about a little bit about game streaming, the future of that. And we'll wrap it up real quickly. And in episode two, it'll be more in a structured format, more like the... um, Norway, I would do it. It'll be episode five. So let's get right into it. So, like I said, PAX um, is a three three day event out in San Antonio at the the convention center down in in downtown. And you know, myself, um, my friend, and one of his relatives. You know, we got the. We got to go get up, you know, at the butt crack of dawn, stand in line to stand in line to stand in line. And the, the thing is, it's, it's an experience that, you know, a lot of people either don't get to do or don't understand why people do it. And, and the truth is, at times, I don't know why I do it because I am old and sore. Standing in those lines are, are a killer, walking, you know. 22,000 steps a day type situation, but it, it was well worth it. This will be the second time I've went to Pax uh, South, is what they call it. Like I said before, in a couple episodes before this, uh, you know, Pax has multiple um, events a year. The, the Boston and Seattle, with, with Seattle being what they call Pax Prime, it was uh, the first one, has, it, those are very, very large events. Those are bigger events. Those are, you know, that you got hundreds of thousands of people that make that that trip, but South for some reason has always stayed a very small independent type of um, um, a show, and it and it's it's one of those things where you sometimes you look at it as in like okay, there's not a lot of people here, there's not a lot of companies. I mean to say, and is it even worth the money I spent to go do some of these things? Um, is it worth me? taking the time out and actually wanting to go and do the, the this type of show? And the answer is yes. But it, it also depends on how you really feel. So well, PAX is, is, is for people 
who you have to really like this kind of industry. And PAX has video games. It has, you know, board games, card games, things like that. It has a, it has a, a good plethora of, of different, you know, outlets, you know, ga- gaming outlets of, of, of sorts that you can, you know, take up some of your time with. Uh, but it's not for everybody. And, and, and on top of the waiting and standing and, you know, coming basically uh being in the personal space olympics if you don't know what that means you 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 haven't been to a concert where you literally barely can walk through people and you get bumped and pushed up on it it, personal space olympics you have to be it has to be something that you really want to do and overall i mean i had a really a really great time um and and I look forward to doing it again. It may not be South. I'm actually looking at going to PAX East or to Prime in the, in, in this year um, and, and seeing the differences between the, the events. And shout out to, to Chris Bryant, too. You know, he, he's the one who introduced me to going to this um, event a couple of years back. And he's been to several. So we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll, we'll get to go to Prime or East this year. And we'll do a show about that too. But let's get down to like, I mean, some of the things I saw. And again, I'm going to say this. This is more of an independent indie game show more so than the big names. Because they there really isn't going to be a lot of that I'll talk about that you maybe even heard of or want to hear about. or But it, I'm just trying to give you some of the information because it may, may matter to you later. Um, There's a couple of games that I did see. And we'll just, you know, shout out the first, you know, big one was um, Rebellion, company out of the UK who makes, you know, the Sniper Elite trilogy, Sniper Elite 4, Zombie Army trilogy, those games. um, They they shut off their Zombie Zombie Army 4 game, which had one of the longest lines in the entire place. Because mainly Rebellion was one of the few big companies that was even there. Um, and they showed off Zombie Army, and they had their Sniper Elite VR, which I didn't get a chance to to try out because for some odd reason with VR, even though I <laughs> I slightly do VR at home myself, is one of those things where when I go out and try to do VR, I tend to I, it doesn't work well on me. You put it like that. So I, I mean, I got a chance to try out Zombie Army before, and I and I'll honestly say. A person who actually played Zombie Army, the trilogy, the first, the first three that they came out with, and picked up on Sniper Elite at some point, it's a really well done game. Uh, it's not, it's not reinventing anything. It's not like, oh my god, this is the best thing since sliced bread. This is update. However, but they take the formula that they had already done and basically they improved it. The the gameplay is. A lot, a lot smoother than the trilogy games. I mean, it's just basically on an updated engine from the last Sniper Elite game. So, I just want to give them a, a shout out um, earlier on in in this episode. I mean, I did get a chance to talk to a couple of the representatives there about trying to get this information out, uh, and the community manager over there, Robert Dale. Hopefully they all made it back. Uh, they they flew over from the United United Kingdom over to do this this demo. So give them a quick shout out. Um, and it, it's it's a game that you should probably look forward to if you like those styles of games. I mean I know zombies are 
kind of played out at this point because literally there's a zombie on every single thing. But um, this game is actually worth worth the look, um, and we. I hope them the best. Hope it works out for them. Because, I mean, I remember playing the first three, and I actually did enjoy them. And I did enjoy the demo, rather it being, you know, it was pretty short, of course, but it was actually worth worth playing around. But a couple of the smaller games that, you know, were there that mattered to me. Uh, I mean, I got a chance to look at Forgone. And Forgone is, if you, if you haven't heard of Dead Cells yet, you're living under a rock. So Dead Cells is one of those games that was a Metroidvania uh, retro game for 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 the new generation. They pretty much hit uh, about a year and a half ago, almost two, really. And since its release, there have been clone after clone after clone after clone of Metroidvania-style games that actually had some kind of content that was a little bit grittier than others. But Dead Cell was really one of the the first of its kind to do it the way it does it now, but there's a lot of clones. And Foregone is one of those games that reminds me a little bit of Dead Cells. Not even a little bit, a lot like Dead Cells. It's like they took the formula that Dead Cells, you know, put forward and kind of made a new game for themselves. I... I it, as much as it's a clone, it is. It does have a very different feel to it. The game has a, a slightly different mechanic versus Dead Cells. It does play a lot like those Metroidvania retro games, but it's a game that is very... It, it's not very, but it, it does have a varying difference from some of those games. I, I got a chance to, you know, spend a couple of minutes with it, as well as with the uh, creator team over there. And it's a game that I'm actually looking forward to. It... it before I even went to PAX, I uh, was able to to get into the alpha listing for this game, and uh, and I was just really blown away by looking at you know literally just videos of it. Didn't even know they were going to be at PAX, but they were at PAX, and got, I got a chance to you know test it out. Work well worth looking at it when it does finally come out, um, and I, I I think it comes out in the next couple of months. But I'll get you more information. On, on that game from Big Blue Bubble. Um, as soon as I get more information from them, I, I mean, I also have a, a email into Michael Hammond over at Big Blue Bubble to get hopefully some some product of you know for the for the the game or some uh, some really good media kits to get out to you guys so you can understand you know when this game is coming out and information on it. So. Another game that I got a chance to, to touch a, a little bit was Dungeon Defenders Awaken. is by Chromatic Games and is already out in the pre in pre order. You can pre order it now, and it's a you know a, a defense dungeon crawling type game. had It had a, a very um, clash castle clash. You know, defense tower type feel to it. It was an interesting, uh, interesting concept, and it comes from a company that's already made a, a game. So, Dungeon Defenders has already existed before. This is the newest update to to a game, a new game, but it's just a new update to Dungeon Defenders. Um, is another one where where it caught my eye. Took a 
took a chance on, you know, getting a chance to play and got some information from those guys too. And and this is gonna be a recurring, you know, theme of me saying I got information coming from these guys. A lot a lot of the people who were at PAX were tra- had to travel back or to other shows. So I'm doing this episode now. And hopefully by next week or so, I would have gotten more information from some of the people I'm talking about to give it out to, to you guys. But um, most of them are probably either just now getting back to the office or, or, or like I said, still traveling. Um, so we'll get you more out there as soon as possible. A quick shout out to two, we'll do three more that really caught my eye games-wise. And there's a game that's already out now called Just Shapes and Beats. And if you like rhythm games and games that are are simple but addictive to play, Just Shapes and Beats is one of those games. On the floor at PAX, it was the most interesting thing when you're walking around and you're hearing this boom, and you're like, okay, so somebody's playing dub music in here for some odd reason, which makes no sense. But come to find out, Just Shapes and Beats is a rhythmic game that you basically are playing a game through a track. If you remember playing games uh, like uh, Tetris, is a Tetris, but it's a moving Tetris, but it's more so as, as far as more like with beats. Um and the thing that brought everybody over to their to their booth was the fact they were playing the Mortal Kombat theme <laughs> in the game. So you're walking the floor and all you hear is, you know, test your might. You know, that that thing just brought everybody over to their booth over and over and over and over again. But it's one of those very simple, very, very, you know, easy games to get into it was extremely hard it looked like it was should be super easy but it was super hard but um it's another one of the ones that i wanted to point out is available now on steam and on switch so and it's by berserk studio so if you get a chance to go or if you look if you're looking for another game or you're looking for something that can you can play that can get you you know addicted really quickly that you can put you pick up and put down real quickly just shapes and beats is one of those games. So we're getting we're getting to the end of the games, you know. Um, one of the ones that caught my eye the most, and it was really one of the first ones that um, we went to and actually touched was a game from my past. Like seriously, super nostalgia was uh, the Streets of Rage Four demo. So if you don't know Streets of Rage, Streets of Rage was on the Genesis originally. It was it was basically the answer to Genesis answer to Nintendo's Final Fight. Uh, Final Fight made by Capcom at the time, and it was originally kind of like on Nintendo systems, kind of merged over later. However. The Streets of Rage games were, you know, on Genesis and the Se- it was made by Sega at the time. So, and this IP we haven't seen in a, a while. Now, there's a lot of people who've been making beat 'em ups or smash ups or any of those type of games for years, but we haven't seen, you know, Streets of Rage in a long, long, long time. And I'm going to tell you that this game was 
just one of the best games there. And it was fun. It was well done. Graphics were great. I mean, it's a very retro game. So you're not you're not seeing, you know, 3D modeling or, you know, anything like that. It's not looking like Doom. But it's a game that, you know, looks like it should have been on a Genesis system with very, very updated graphics. It played well. It was fun. It's a really good party game. From what they, you know, they're able to show on the demo, it was super fun and in the line for that game was extremely long too because you have people who were there who remember streets of rage whether you you play the first one all the way up to the third one you remember streets of rage it's one of those iconic names that you know about so it it, it pretty much made people come to that line and day one um we got a chance to play it so luckily we were on our first day there it was already available, got a chance to play that, and it was awesome. I mean, seriously awesome. And I mean, I'm not going to go over all the other games, but, you know, there's a couple of other ones that uh, did pique my interest. I mean, we, we got a chance to play Young Souls from the arcade crew, um, got a chance to play Windjammers 2, got um, also another game. One, one game that I would give a shout-out that didn't – it is never. It's not gonna come out anytime soon. So, Windjammers. If you don't know, remember Windjammers. It basically was like a beach frisbee uh, kind of game where you you score points by throwing um, a ball or basically it was a disc, a disc through um, a net. Fun, fun game. One shot was a game that was also on the floor, and it's a it was a very small team. Uh, very, a very small, really, really small team. They basically took the same concept as uh, Windjammers and made their own game. And they, they're both on the floor at the same time. Windjammers on one side and One Shot is on the other side. So I kind of went back and forth between both games. And I must say, One Shot, unfortunately, unfortunately um, doesn't, probably won't come out. I'm sorry, shot one. Let me do it in the reverse way. It is shot one. So it does, it doesn't look like it's going to probably come out because they don't have backing just yet. Uh, but it was a better game. Honestly, it, it actually truthfully was a better game than the Windjammers game. And Windjammers was actually made by a, a bigger company, but shot one, truthfully, I hope they get backing. Um, I, I wish I could get you more information on it, and I may, you know, send them send them out uh, an email or two to try to get them on. But it, if you like simple, you know, just basically throwing a ball into a whole game, um, it's fun. Has some really good mechanics. Really fun. Really fun party game. And there was always a line. People, you could see the joy on people's faces as they were playing this versus the Windjammers Two game even though they were the exact game. It just seems like Shot 1 was a, a very good hybrid game that made you want to, you know, play it. And it's actually Austin-based. It's a, a it's an indie dev team in, in Austin. So, like I said, I, I hope to send them out some information about myself and maybe we can get them on and talk about it, get them some funding, get this game off the ground. Um, and, and that's really it on, on the game side. But again, there were hundreds of games of on this floor. 
hundreds of card games. I mean, I, I myself picked up a card game, um, drinking with frenemies. I cannot wait to play it with my frenemies. So it, it's it's one of those things where, like I say, PAX is fun for people who want to go this those type of things. And hopefully you can learn some things from what I've said about PAX and it helps you, you know, make a decision. And that's just a game portion. And, that, and, and, and honestly, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to talk more about story time because story time is funny because there was a lot of funny things that happened at PAX, but you know, I'm just trying to give, give you the information on the, on the gaming side first, you know, what I did see that mattered to me that was, like I said, smaller independent, uh, and maybe it'll help you, you know, go out and look up, look for some games later. Um, but we'll take a break right here and be right back. All right, we're back. Story time. So, you know, with PAX is like I call it the, the personal space Olympics and you're fighting basically crowds and hordes of people daily, you know, as you basically wither away standing in line sore ankles sore calf muscles so sore feet you know um but it was it was really 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 fun um i didn't come back sick yet knock on wood you know it's one of those things where you go to pax you pretty much are gonna know or any event that you're probably gonna come back sick or give it to somebody else or something along, along those lines so luckily for me Knock on wood, so far, I feel fine. No sickness, not not yet. No sniffles, no runny nose, but you never know. Give it a couple of days, it may come back. But um, while I was at PAX, PAX is not just about, you know, video games. It also has, you know, like, panels. So one, one of the first panels that I got a chance to see was uh, a panel with Rod Ferguson. And if you don't know who he is, Rod Ferguson is a... A legendary creator from Microsoft. He goes all the way back to a couple of games like um, Train Simulator and Flight Simulator. So he he is a true OG when it comes down to um, the, the basically games, hundred percent back in in Microsoft's time. But he he went on. You will probably know him more um, from games that that are current from epic games like uh gears of war that's probably where you would know him the most from so he had a panel and he sat down and talked to us about his his career and how he started and how he went from his start at microsoft all the way back in in the olden times of 1996 <laughs> and he went from from microsoft to Epic games and irrational games, and he he's worked all over the industry. I mean, he helped launch Epic's one of, one of their greatest titles of all time, all the way to he worked with uh, irrational games, who doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. But they worked on Bioshock Infinite. So, but his his story was of one of those interesting ones where. He 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 wanted the, the the fans in the audience to understand where the industry is going and things that matter to him as well as his his, uh, his journey. And he basically 
you know, said his his journey wasn't easy. It was it was rocky. There was times where he went what they call untethered, where he didn't have a job. He didn't have um, a he didn't uh, wasn't assigned to a company, and he went out and did his own thing for a while. But he his story was a uh, was interesting, seeing as the fact that he is a, a, a probably a widely known producer um in, in the gaming industry um but a lot of people wouldn't be able to recognize him on the street period but he went on to talk about diversity in video games and just in life in general and how solving for one person can solve for the many and he he helped pioneer especially in his gear the, the latest gears of war games uh things that have to do with disabilities because people who play video games don't think about the fact that there there are people with disabilities who love playing video games as well and may not be able to do so because of a, a hearing disability or they're not able to use their, their hand, hands for controllers, um, etc. And Microsoft has been truthfully especially with xbox i mean they've, they've released their adaptive controller and things like that over the the last couple of years they've been trying to make strides to be inclusive instead of exclusive and that was part of his story that he talked about was you know you know you solve for one and you solve for the many um i mean and one one of the biggest pieces of it was he talked about um his the use of the subtitles on the bottom of the screen and it's strangely it's strange to think about subtitles on the screen a lot of us either use them or don't but there have always been a time at some point whether you're listening to or looking at a show that's in a different language and uses subs to understand it or if you're playing a video game and you're trying to read through the text versus listen to the, the voice actor, there's been a time and a place that all of us has used it once or twice or more than that in life ever. And he brought up leading a charge on changing. I mean, small things like the size of the text matters. If you have a sight issue, not an issue, if you have a, 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 a sight disability or if you can you can see but you 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 can not see it well or if you can't hear and you're you know hearing impaired those subtitles matter and you know we don't think about the subtitles mattering you know as much as we see white text on the bottom of the screen um but subtle things about that matters like you know putting who actually said the comment within the text and that makes now a lot of sense. I mean, when you look at the text and you you can't understand the the contextual structure of it, you know, putting those little small details in, like you know how who said it and how it was said matters to a person who has a disability uh, and can't hear it. And he just went over being all inclusive through games. Uh, and it spreads out across everything else, not just in games. Uh, whether it's, you know, a disability or a sexual orientation 
or a nationality or, you know, just goes on and on and on of being inclusive and not exclusive um, was was his story. And I really enjoyed his panel because his panel was, it was funny, first off. Um, that's the first thing. And he humanized, you know, issues in the gaming industry and his work on trying to correct some of those issues because you you will be really surprised of you know even though today we are a lot more tolerable of others we're we're not to a point where it's a hundred percent accepted by others and you know it is it, a daily a daily task to try to become more inclusive every single day. And that was just one of my quick takeaways from, from Rod was he, his story was, you know, we all, we're all in this together and trying to make it all inclusive. And we're just talking about games right now, but you can apply that through, through life. So I also went through a couple of other uh, other panels that that same the same week. You know, like I said, it's over three days, so you get you get a chance to you know walk the floor, go to panels, see people. But um, one of the other panels I went to, which were we'll talk about game streaming as a future, and there was a couple of companies there. One that I will give a shout out to was Rainway. They, the guys at Rainway were super, super friendly and super helpful. They're based out of Seattle. Um, they gave me so much information on this streaming platform. And then they also had their a panel, which had their, their company, a company called Parsec, and a couple of others in it talking about the future of game streaming. Um, game streaming is... It's here. Um, if you don't know what game streaming is, a uh, quick little thing is there are several companies that are buying towards trying to get you to stream um, your games that you buy anywhere. And there's companies that do it doing it by different routes. So you have your Google and your your Xbox, which are they're wanting you to pay for a service or pay for games that they own that you stream. Then there's other companies like uh, Parsec and Rainway and Moonlight and a couple others, which are free apps that utilizes your own computer to send your games to you. So you're not paying for anything extra. You're basically you know, streaming your own content to yourself which is his own different sector from the bigger companies that want you to pay repurchase a game to send it, you know, via their cloud. And they have a, a different, they have their own ups and downs for both because uh, with Rainway and Steam Link and these other, other apps that are free, yes, their apps are free, but you have to have something that can process the, these games. It's, you have to have your own personal computer or something or a server or something like that in order for it to, to get to you. Whereas with xCloud, with xCloud which I'm a beta, in, in beta of, which by the way, works great when you have great internet, but when you don't, it does not, much like everything else. But xCloud and Stadia and these other, what they call the Netflix style services, 
are hosting it in the cloud and then sending it to you. Yes, you you can do the same thing with both. You're playing it anywhere and everywhere on a phone, on a tablet, on another computer, on an Xbox, whatever. But it, they are in separate markets. So during their panel, they talked about, you know, hey, is this something that can be done now? And I was actually surprised with the answer. Um, and the answer from the Rainway exec was, they, you need another five years. The infrastructure is just not there. But the companies are getting quicker and faster. And he, and he explained it in a way that made actual sense was, companies go out and try to create technology for something that doesn't exist yet. Mainly, what you want to do is be first to market on something that is for a use case for later, not for the now. And that made perfect sense when he said it that way about, you know, game streaming as a whole. Most people don't have the internet bandwidth to even stream a lot of these, these games. But it's, it's not the solve for now. It needs a couple of years. And, you know, they were talking about game, just computing in order to be able to create a, a, a situation where you can stream and do all this stuff, you know, instant access and everything. You, you need 5G to be already up and running and everywhere and available, which it isn't now. But the, the solve that they're creating these apps and things for, it's not for, for, for now. It's actually for four or five years down the line. So it can so it will already be there for future for future use. So the way he explained it made a lot more sense. But my my take on on short take on game streaming and and the future of it, um, your the, the companies are going to buy for your eyeballs. And I mean Rainway, go out and if you if you have a PC now, go get Rainway. It like I said, free app. It's, it, it is a remote app that can, as long as you have a computer that can run a game, it'll stream to whatever you want to stream it on, whether it's a tablet, a phone, etc. So, go, I mean, go go test it out. I mean, Rainway.com, like, it, it is a faster version of some of the other ones I've tried out, and it actually does work rather well. I mean, it, it's, it's funny that I had never heard of them before until going to PAX, but I'm glad that I got a chance to check them out um and as well as parsec and parsec i actually had been using parsec several years prior uh probably like a year ago a year and a half ago prior and they were there as well and it was one of those things where it's like okay parsec parsec is slightly different than the other ones it's more of a remote play where you can get a friend to join a game with you you know help you through it which is something that steam just recently put into their own games and uh, their own system uh, lately where you can do what they call remote play. But um, like I said, check out Rainway, check out Parsec. Parsec also is another good platform that can help you, you know, be able to play with other people. But I mean, it, the future of games and game streaming is it, going to be games as a service and streaming. Those two things are apparent. How fast we get there is a different question because I'm not exactly sure. And like I said, he said five five years, basically, which probably is about right. I mean, they're slowly pulling them on, but I think it'll be slightly 
faster than that because you're going to eventually, like Google is going to figure it out. I know Stadia has been pretty much a disappointment to everybody involved. They'll figure it out at some point. Uh, and of course, I mean, like I said, xCloud with Microsoft, I can, you can really tell that they've already put money into R&D on that. And it, cause it works better than some of the other ones that I've tried so far. And they're, they're basically still in a beta form knowing that they need to get better infrastructure to get everything running and get it up and going before rushing to market. And that was Google's problem. They rushed their service to market to be the first one out, and it has failed miserably so far. It has not worked the way they want it to work. But um, given the fact that it's still a, a, a big company, they will throw, they will throw enough money at it at some point to get it to to do what they want it to do. But again, try out Rainway, rainway.com. Um, give it a look. If you have a computer, install it on a computer and you get the app for free on, on whatever device you want to stream to. Uh, they will be coming to different platforms at some point. Um, uh, Android TV, I did talk to uh, Laura about uh, Android TV and xbox and a couple of others so they they eventually will you know be able to get on every platform they can roku so one of the biggest things is being able to get it on smaller devices like roku um or fire sticks or things like that you know almost everybody has either a roku or a fire stick nowadays and getting the app on those kind of platforms where if you have a computer you can stream it to your tv downstairs no wires needed is probably probably one of their biggest things so again it's the future looks bright for game streaming, um, and it's gonna it's gonna take a while to get there, but I, I think we'll get there soon. And we're gonna wrap up this episode again. I plan on separating this into two, so that people who want to hear mostly about packs can listen to the packs part one, and the secondary episode will be some more things about you know like what I normally would do and not just more so about packs because I know not everybody in the audience cares about packs. So uh, I will split into two, but a little bit about packs that was very heartening and the experience and the people, um, you know, I want to go over some of that piece. And honestly, like I said, very small, very close knit type of, um, event um you so close literally the 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 people that you meet on this floor it it was interesting because i i met people that i had never met before in my life you know i want to give a shout out to the the who knew this like the army the army has an esports team i had no idea not not whatsoever and they're pretty much the first people that you run into when you went to the floor all three days and it was very it was interesting because i'm like okay when did the u.s army get an esports team well i mean i I got a chance to play um street fighter 5 got waxed a couple of times um with sergeant williams out and he's based out of kentucky um, Haitian King, give him a little shout out. Um, and I mean, got he he got to tell me a story while he was beating me, <laughs> and you know he he had been doing you know the the esports teams for for over uh, over a year, and 
really good guy. Come to find out, he knows some people that I know because um, he's from Kentucky. I'm from originally from Memphis, originally. So it's just one of those things where, you know, you meet people. This is how small and close-knit was. Like, we literally played each other off and on for three days. He sat in a chair playing, playing fighting games with every person for three days straight, basically. And he was just happy to do it and be able to be there and, you know, show off his skills. You know, he claimed he never would lose one, but I got you one. So if you if you, if you remember, I did beat you one time. But he he was one of the bright spots. And the rest of the, you know, esports team out of the U.S. Army, I'll give him a shout-out too, they, they were super friendly and helpful and great. I mean, it, it is interesting to realize that games brings together such a different group of people you just never know who you will meet on a daily basis um just playing games and it's something that brings a lot of people there you know all the time there was a lot of cosplayers there was a lot of people who was just going for the first time there was a lot of people bringing their kids a lot of people bringing their girlfriends boyfriends whatever it's just a big melting pot of people uh, and the one thing that was a common was video games and video game paraphernalia and video game accessories and, you know, streaming and all these things that make up what the world of games are is what brought everybody to, you know, San Antonio for three days. And these, these type of experiences are, you know, far in between where you get a chance to go and you not only do you go and you go to an event full of people that are, you know, <clears throat> have a similar interest as yours and a, a passion of yours. And you all get along and it feels like, you know, a small family. And I heard that a lot from a lot of the presenters that were there was it, it feels like family. Like some of these people have been going to PAX for six, seven, eight years in a row. And every year is the same. It feels like they meet the same people every year to come to PAX and comes to, you know, support, support these, uh, especially the smaller Indies every single year. And it just feels like home and like family, which is great. Um, versus some of the bigger ones. Yes. The bigger ones will have bigger names and bigger things and bigger giveaways and more stuff. But, you know, PAX South always feel, feels like you're going with friends and family Everybody's super nice because number one, it's in the South. It's in Texas. The Bible, the, the Bible built. Everybody's so friendly. You know, everybody is like, how are you? How, what, what's going on? I'm sorry. You know, whatever. So it always feels like you're amongst people that are your friends or your family members more so than just a giant group of people that's ready to run you over. I mean, it wasn't. And, and, and there was no incidents. Nothing happened out of the ordinary. Nothing, no, nothing at all. It was a really great experience. It was really good weather. Uh, a couple of days was a little cold, but other other than that, good good experience. Um, something that I can't wait to do again and bring you more information on. So, but we'll go ahead and wrap it up there with episode four of the podcast. But this is part one of PAX and the episode. Two of packs, like I said, will have more information on some things that I want to go go over. That's like my normal spiel, um, and 
probably a little bit more about PAX 2, but I don't want to keep this very long, so we'll leave it there. Hopefully, you'll listen to, to PAX Part 2, Episode 5.